Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to the Deep South Dharma Podcast. This week's episode is a Sutta study entitled Tuning Your Instrument for the Long Run. It it originally is inspired by the study of a Sutta from the Anguttara Nikaya that I've been involved in for the last couple of weeks. And I find it really relevant um, and hopefully you will find it relevant too if you are someone who is feeling um, overworked and exhausted with tornado recovery if you're in Tennessee or with election efforts and concerns or coronavirus fears or if you just are maybe feeling exhausted from raising children and ready for spring break to be here. And also, if you just need some good advice for continuing the long-term project of transforming your life according to the Dharma, the Buddha offers that advice uh, and that instruction, actually, in this sutta. I'll also mention to you that if you go to the Deep South Dharma Facebook page, you can find several links of ways that you can be helpful Um, or ways that you can find help in uh, Tennessee. I I have shared several posts there. One that I want to draw your attention to is that if you have been impacted by the tornadoes and would like to access a few free um, counseling sessions so that those those short-term traumas don't become a a long-term post-trauma disorder, um, take a look at the link on the Facebook page there, there's a whole network of therapists who are offering those services for free as part of their contribution to the storm recovery. And then I want to uh, say that if you are able to join us for some refueling in just a couple of weeks, I have the retreat hosted by Flowering Lotus Meditation coming up March 20th through 22nd. Um, registration registration occurs for just $50 and then anything you decide to offer beyond that is totally up to you but it, you can at least get it on your calendar um, and, and plug it in and make that commitment to yourself on the front end one last thing I'll mention is that I learned this week that our September retreat at Hartwood Refuge is scholarship eligible so Um, the retreat that I'll be doing and hopefully Jaya, Judy Seeley, depending on what's happening with her travel schedule, hopefully she'll be with me. But um, we have the retreat Devotion to the Deathless coming up in September at Heartwood Refuge. So if you go to heartwoodrefuge.org, look on the retreat page, take a look at that description, see if it sounds interesting to you. And if so, then click on through for uh, the application, the scholarship application, if that's something that you would need to make it possible for you to attend the retreat. It is right there for you. So that's in September, plenty of time to plan for it. So this is the time to do that, especially if you need to get a scholarship application in. All right. With all that being said, let's turn our attention now to our Suda study, turning, tuning your instrument for the long run.
We'll begin with a reading from the Anguttara Nikaya, and you can, it's fairly short, this reading, so you can just listen, or if you are like me and take things better, take things in better when you can also read them, you can just Google Sutta AN 6 colon 55, and that'll bring up that, um, this Sutta, and we're going to be reading the first half of it. A couple of things that I want to ask you to pay attention to is um, the issues that come up around the treatment of the body, the Buddha's approach toward discouraging thoughts that arise, and the musical analogies that permeate this particular story. On that occasion, Venerable Sona was staying near in the cool wood. Then, as Venerable Sona was meditating in seclusion, after doing walking meditation until the skin of his soles was split and bleeding, this train of thought arose in his awareness. Of the Blessed One's disciples who have aroused their persistence, I am one, but my mind is not released from fermentation through lack of clinging or sustenance. Now, my family has enough wealth that it would be possible to enjoy wealth and make merit. What if I were to disavow the training, return to the lower life, enjoy wealth, and make merit? Then the Blessed One, as soon as he perceived with his awareness the train of thought in Venerable Sona's awareness, disappeared from Vulture Peak Mountain, just as a strong man might extend his flexed arm or flex his extended arm, appeared in the cool wood right in front of Venerable Sona and sat down on a prepared seat. Venerable Sona, after bowing down to the Blessed One, sat to one side. As he was sitting there, the Blessed One said to him, Just now, as you were meditating in seclusion, didn't this train of thought appear to your awareness? Of the Blessed One's disciples who have aroused their persistence, I am one, but my mind is not released from fermentations, etc., etc., What if I were to disavow the training, return to the lower life, enjoy wealth, and make merit? Yes, Lord. Now, what do you think, Zona? Before, when you were a house dweller, were you skilled at playing the vena? Yes, Lord. And what do you think? When the strings of your vena were too taut, was your vena in tune and playable? No, Lord. And what do you think? When the strings of your vena were too loose, was your vena in tune and playable? No, Lord. And what do you think? When the strings of your vena were neither too taut nor too loose, but tuned to be right on pitch, was your vena in tune and playable? Yes, Lord. In the same way, Sana, over-aroused persistence leads to restlessness. Overly slack persistence leads to laziness. Thus, you should determine the right pitch for your persistence. Attune the pitch of the five faculties to that, and there pick up your theme. Yes, Lord, Venerable Sona, answered the Blessed One. Then, having given this exhortation to Venerable Sona, the Blessed One, as a strong man might extend his flexed arm, or flex his extended arm, disappeared from the cool wood and appeared on Vulture Peak Mountain.
So after that, Venerable Sona determined the right pitch for his persistence, attuned the pitch of the five faculties to that, and there picked up his theme. Dwelling alone, secluded, heedful, ardent, and resolute, he in no long time reached and remained in the supreme goal of the holy life for which clansmen rightly go forth from home into homelessness, knowing and realizing it for himself in the here and now. He knew birth is ended, the holy life fulfilled, the task done. There is nothing further for the sake of this world. And thus, Venerable Sona became another one of the Arahants. There are a number of delightful things about this Sutta, but I want to hone in on a couple of them. One is the recognition of the Buddha's external mindfulness, right? They, when we talk about both internal mindfulness, recognizing what's going on inside of us, and external mindfulness, recognizing what's coming from outside of ourselves. Um, in this story where the Buddha perceives the train of thought that arises um, in Venerable Sona's consciousness, because the Buddha is fully awake, it is immediately perceptible to him that that train of thought is, is in the consciousness of Sona. And that really stands out to me right now because there is a, um, a real popularization in our culture. And I think to, there, there's some benefit to this, but we need to be careful with it. There's some popular popularization in our culture of this recognition of how porous um, our consciousness can be, of how in this human form, we soak in so much of what's going on around us. But there is a tendency, um, because this is what we tend to do with lots of things, a tendency to identify with that, to turn that into an identity, to believe, oh, I'm a, an especially sensitive person, or an especially, and it's like, well, all human beings have this porous nature. What what allows us to live with ease or not with this capacity we have to be aware of what's going on around us is how is is the degree to which we meet it with mindfulness and so in this sutta we have this very um immediate clear perception by the buddha that oh you know, an up and a discouraged, uh, possibly not useful train of thought has arisen in the mind of Venerable Sona. You know, let me go give him some advice to tweak his practice to to help uh, allay that somewhat. There's no identification with the train of thought. There's not even a sense of, oh, here's me, this special being who is especially sensitive to what's going on with somebody else. It's just this arises. It's not me. I don't confuse it with myself. I can have something to offer that may help. So that's just one thing that I wanted to bring up. And um, with... The other piece of that 
is that the Buddha does not go to Venerable Sona and start arguing with him about the train of thought. He, at least according to this story, he knew every bit of Sona's, uh, of the thinking that was going through Sona's consciousness at that time. And rather than arguing with it, in fact, rather than talking him out of anything, he simply uses that train of thought as diagnostic that there is some, that, oh, this is restlessness. There's some restlessness going on and he's overdoing it. So that recognition is valuable sometimes when we, whether we're dealing with our own minds or even the statements and thoughts of, of, of people nearby, rather than arguing with the thoughts, we can respond to how they're feeling. And same with us. Rather than arguing with our own thoughts, we can respond to how we're feeling. Um, by which I mean, rather than getting into arguing with ourselves about the particular contents of our thinking, we can just notice if our thinking is generally upset, restless, worried, discontent, we can notice, oh, I may need to back off a bit. Um, or if, if we're finding our thoughts sort of apathetic, sluggish, having a hard time uh, bringing ourselves to, to do the things we need to do, then we notice, oh, I may need to bring some energy to this um, to, to be able to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. So that brings me to the second point that I wanted to highlight about this Sutta, which is uh, even though this story, or at least a very, I had ex been exposed to a thumbnail version of this story many times through the years. This, a couple of weeks ago, was the first time I saw this Sutta. And to see it introduced under the topic of, yes, of course, wise effort is, is, is there, but the topic is persistence. The topic is, what is it that allows me to continue doing what's important to me over the long run in such a way that um, I'm not plagued with constant thoughts of giving up on, on my goals, um, nor am I putting so little energy into it that I'm not accomplishing whatever my goals may be. The Buddha mentions that, that one must find one's own pitch and they, from there apply the five faculties to that. So I want to do just a, a quick rundown for you if you're not familiar with the five spiritual faculties. These are mindfulness, energy, concentration, devotion, and wisdom. Sometimes devotion is rendered as faith. But what I want you to notice about these five faculties is, one, there is mindfulness. And one might say that in this musical language the Buddha is using, mindfulness is the theme. Mindfulness is, um, allows, is the thing that there's really, you can't have too much of it. It needs to be there always. The variation, to use another musical term, along with the theme, the variation happens along these axes of energy versus concentration, balancing that out, um, or not necessarily balancing in terms of 
often in our culture, when we think balancing, we think 50-50. But I just mean bringing in when we recognize there's there's so much energy going into something that there's restlessness, we may need to back up and actually enjoy some concentration um, to, to balance that out, to sort of find that place where we can pick up our theme of mindfulness again. The other axis is the wisdom devotion axis um, or wisdom faith. Um, I, I like using the word devotion, although there definitely is, Buddhism definitely uses the word faith. It means such a different thing in Buddhism than it does in in our typical culture. So often in, at least in the part of the country that I grew up, the word faith is used to sort of Faith means trying to make yourself believe something you don't believe or trying to make yourself believe um, to, to take on ideas that that are are alien to maybe alien to you or, or don't have any aspect of wisdom or experience to them at all. And in Buddhism, faith is something quite different. Faith is a better word for it might be confidence. It is faith is developed out of one's experience. And of course, if our spiritual development is fairly infantile or even intermediate, we can't, it's not that we only can go by our own experience, but as we grow, we begin to recognize those whose experience um, is, is beyond our own but we recognize that it is at least familiar enough to us that we do have this sense of trust. Um, and so we may sometimes have to borrow on somebody else's experience. We can see that working with these spiritual principles offered in Buddhism is you know, doing something for that person or doing something in somebody's life that, that we would like to experience for ourselves. And so being willing to try something out even is an act of faith. You know, when somebody signs up for a 30-day meditation course online, they are practicing faith. They are practicing this idea of something out there will work for me and I'm willing to, to give this a try and, and to get a taste of it. So anyway, back to this topic of the five faculties. When the Buddha encouraged Venerable Sona to find his own pitch, to find that place where he's neither trying too much nor too little so that he can be mindful, ardent, resolute, all those lovely adjectives. Then from there, he's able to continue to pick up the theme of mindfulness and it carries him all the way. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.
just a reminder that by design, this podcast is not run off of commercial support. If you would like to be a sponsor of our podcast, you can do so by visiting anchor.fm slash deepsouthdharma and follow the instructions there. And if you're in the Oxford, Mississippi, North Mississippi area, please know you are always welcome to join us at the Oxford Practice Group on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. Information about that is at deepsouthdharma.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.